Welcome to the Living Faith Fellowship Conference podcast. The Living Faith Fellowship is a peer network of like-minded churches united under a single biblical authority and one common mission. You're about to hear a message from one of the many conferences hosted by the Living Faith Fellowship every year. We pray it's a blessing. As you get settled in, as you get settled in, I just want to remind you that this is uh, Evangelical Bible Studies Part 2, which means by necessity that if you've not been in Part 1, that you should, you should probably consider going there first. Uh, that's where you're going to get... Um, the foundational information pertaining to uh, Discovery Bible Method, Creation to Christ, the philosophy of an evangelical Bible study, uh, that's where you're going to get that content that we, for the most part, in this session are going to take for granted that you already know. Uh, We've done this, we've done, uh, Dan and I have done evangelical Bible studies, is it four years now? Maybe five? In this room uh, at Mission Focus year over year. And it's been wonderful, uh, but we were starting to uh, get word from other people that they wanted a little bit more, that there was a lot of questions that they had that that they couldn't get addressed in those uh, initial sessions. And to be honest with you, over the years, a lot of churches have started taking this model of Bible study seriously and have begun to implement it themselves. And now you're beginning to see the fruit from your Bible studies, uh, approaching the Word of God, approaching gathering together in small group settings. You're beginning to see people come to Christ and get discipled, and now you want to know what it looks like to move into the next phases of growth. And so um, we're going to talk to you about all that stuff here briefly, but but I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to recap our objectives and then Dan and I are going to kind of tag team this thing. We're going we're gonna to share the pulpit time quite a bit, um, and he's going to fill in the gaps here and there. And so he'll come up, he'll explain what the, the, the three days that we have together will be like, uh, all the different topics that we're going to cover in our time together. Um, you should have notes for today. If you don't, there are people that are going to walk around and hand out more notes here in a moment. They're printing more copies. Uh, But you'll notice that the notes are kind of unconventional. There's not a lot of fill-in-the-blanks the the next few days. Uh, We've left you space. There's a section there that says notes with with blanks. We just want you to write down anything that you need to write down, Uh, things that you need to know for your own personal Bible studies. Uh, You write down what you need to take home with you, and then we'll just give you uh, the content that that we think that you need, and, and you can have that. But let's pray. Everybody settled in? Feeling good? You having a good time so far? It's been, it's been wonderful, and it's only going to keep getting better, hopefully. So uh, let's, let's pray and ask the Lord uh, to guide us and to lead us in our time together. Dear Lord, we uh, are grateful for, for just the opportunity to be here. And as I think about um, the people that have, especially those that have come in, uh, have driven, you know, halfway across the U.S. to be here, um, I'm extremely humbled um, just by the willingness, you know. Uh, and uh, Lord, I know that I think, I think 
especially for those folks that you want to uh, honor their obedience and their sacrifice. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would speak to us in our time. Um, A lot of what we're going to be talking about, uh, Lord, you already know, is a lot of strategy. Uh, It's going to take a lot of, of... of Bible and ministry philosophy for granted, and we're just going to get right into the nuts and bolts. And, um, and so that can be kind of difficult. I'd, I'd much rather just hide behind your word and, and, and exposit scripture. Uh, and so this kind of teaching can, can be difficult. Lord, I pray that we would be sensitive to your spirit and that we would be listening to you and that, that Dan and I, that our opinions uh, would not, uh, you know, be louder or more um, uh, or, or stronger, that they wouldn't be stronger than your word is. And so, Lord, I pray that all of the people here in attendance would be sensitive to your spirit and they would hear what they need to hear from you uh, and that they would walk away more prepared to do Bible study, to, to do warfare, to, to um, uh, seek and save the lost, to open open the Bible with their friends and family, that they'd be more prepared for that uh, than they were before they came. And so we're asking for your help uh, in every way. Uh, We love you. We're grateful for your son, Jesus Christ. We are so thankful that you've preserved for us a word. We pray uh, for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so, you know, in, in, in the last session, in part one of Evangelical Bible Study, we, we address the idea that there, there are lots of different kinds of small groups and Bible studies in the world, right? That like in evangelicaldom, in, in Christendom, there's lots of people that do what they call Bible study, they call small group, they, they call community groups, but it's a lot of times what we discovered uh, is that it's negligent of the word of God itself, um, a lot of times they'll, they'll gather together. They may do, you know, uh, you know, it used to be maybe Beth Meyer curriculum uh, or before Andy Stanley got the stink on him. Maybe it was Andy Stanley small group curriculum or whatever it is that was popular at the time. And they would, they would gather around someone's commentary and they would have, they would talk. They'd talk about their feelings and they would talk about life and um, and we know that a lot of churches are doing that kind of thing. And we talked about how in the Living Faith Fellowship, that's not going to be true for our churches. Our churches are going to continue to put the word of God first. It will be our authority. And so when we gather together uh, to do small group, it's going to be around God's word. And so whether the objective is edification, that we would we would. Um, express to one another the truths of God's word to strengthen one another, to to encourage one another, to build each other up, uh, or whether it be to equip one another in terms of leadership, growth and knowledge in God's word, uh, and and, and train up leaders to to do the same. That's all going to be done around God's word as the centerpiece of everything that we do because we believe that that's where the power is, right? The power isn't in our... Uh, our ministry prowess, uh, or our emotional maturity, or our years of experience, um, that's not where the authority lies. The authority lies in God's word, and so we're going to put that first. And, and so let's just briefly talk about the power of making our Bible studies evangelical. 
making our, our, our evangelism, not just our edifying and our equipping, but our evangelism centered on and around uh, the Word of God. We, we believe that the Word of God is a seed, don't we? Right? Scripture talks about this. We believe that the Word of God is a seed. And, and not only that, but, but we as the church are God's husbandry. We are, his, we are his husbandmen. We are his farmers. We are his workmen in the field. And our job and our responsibility is to sow the seed of God's word into the lives of other people. Now, if we cast seed, if that's our job, if that's our responsibility, if we cast seed, some of that seed we know is going to end up on stony ground. We know that some of it is going to end up on weedy ground, right, where the tares are. And some of that seed is going to end up on ground, ground that's contested by the enemy, that the enemy will sift out and, 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 and work to pluck out the seed. But some of that seed is cast onto good ground. We know that. We, we know that, that that's how our evangelism works, that, that some people receive it and some people won't. Now, we also know that men that are born again are, are people that the seed has taken to their soul. People that are born again are people where that seed has, has taken to their very soul and it's caused them to confess Christ. It's caused them to repent from their sin and declare that Jesus Christ is the Lord of their life. That's, that's a person who's received the seed. 1 Peter 1.23 says this, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away, and the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. And so what we learn here is that those that are born again are those that have received the incorruptible seed, and that seed is, is begotten by the word of God. And so based upon that knowledge and, and, and our understanding of that, that we have to draw the conclusion that the more time we spend investing the word of God into the souls of men, the more energy that we expend in that work, the more resource that we pour into that, the more souls are going to come to saving knowledge in Jesus Christ. Now, we know that there are many methods of, of casting seed, all right? And, and, and a lot of us employ many different methods. We do something called hit the streets, where on Saturdays, once a month, a lot of our, our members will go uh, around in the community and, and they'll invite people to, to, to sit down and talk about the gospel. They might invite them to events that we're doing as a church, uh, but the objective is to strike up a gospel conversation. Um, many of our young people, they go on the college campuses and they walk around and they look for gospel opportunities. Uh, in your church, I know for sure at Pleasant Grove, you guys are doing all kinds of different things uh, to go and share the gospel with people. Um, are you, what do you guys call that? Warriors? What do you call that? Witnessing. Witnessing Warriors, okay, is a ministry at Pleasant Grove. I know that, that OHBC has an, an evangelism ministry where they're going out on Saturday evening or Sunday evenings and they're sharing the gospel um, several times a month maybe. And uh, a lot of people are looking for opportunities, and we want to highly, highly, highly encourage that. Keep doing that. Keep meeting people. And, 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 but what we're suggesting, what we're suggesting in our time together 
is that the best thing that you can do, the best thing that you can do is invite people to spend time with you week over week, month over month, looking at the seed of God's word and slowly receiving it as good ground. So what if, what if, what what I'm suggesting is what if you can both cast the seed and establish good ground at the same time? What if you can do the work of, of, of pulling out the weeds and chasing away the, the ravens and, and, um, and tilling the ground so that it's good and, and removing the stones from that ground and, and doing the work of planting the seed at the same time? What if you, as a small group, can take responsibility for watering that seed and, and caring for that seed and nurturing that seed until it takes into the soul of a man and they become born again? How much better is that than a moment of confrontation on the bus or, uh, you know, in the coffee shop? How much better is it to invite someone into a conversation about the gospel that takes weeks and months where the word of God is doing all the work for you? In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Who then is Paul and who is Apollos but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted... This is what Paul says. He's planted the seed, but Apollos watered. But God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, uh, neither he that watereth, but God God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. And so what we're suggesting is that from our experience, From our experience uh, doing evangelism and doing Bible study, the seed takes to the ground best when the husbandman is afforded the opportunity to superintend the, the, the seed over weeks and months and over time. And so while we recognize that there are many methods of evangelism, we believe that if believers are opening the Bible, if people are gathering together to do small group anyway, What better place is there to invite the lost in, to consider what God's word says, to ask the hard questions, and ultimately discover that God's word is divinely inspired? It's better for them to do that with us in Bible study than it is for them to do it and confront those truths in a moment at a coffee shop. And so so here's the idea. Here's the idea. A lot of you have already bought into this philosophy. And uh, we've even heard testimony year over year from some of you who started Bible studies in your homes, um, in coffee shops, in different places in your community. You have begun inviting people to attend, people who don't go to your church, people who aren't saved, and they're beginning to come. And you're seeing people uh, come to saving faith. The seed is beginning to take. And so the questions that we want to address is, are we, are we successfully facilitating small group? Are there things that I'm doing in my small group time that are actually a hindrance to growth and discovery? Um, are there things that, that I could be doing better, things that I haven't yet considered? How do I improve my Bible study evangelism? How do I make my small group healthy? 
How do I ensure that discipleship is taking place in the lives of the people who are beginning to grow in their faith? Um, how do we go about establishing new works? So my Bible studies, now it's 10 or 11 or 12 people, and I'm thinking, man, it's, it's getting big. It's time to, to maybe start something new. Am I ready to see this thing divided and a new work started? How does multiplication begin to take place in my small group? Um, how do I ensure that my small group is submitted to the authority and the structure of my local church? Does my pastor know what's going on in my small group? How, how do I make my small group more in line with what's happening in terms of the vision of the pastor and what he has for our church? How do I equip or train leaders to do this work? How do I ensure that the person that I send out who's going to do this work somewhere else in our community, how do I ensure that they're going to do that in a way that is, um, is faithful to what they've learned? Um, how do we know where to plant a new Bible study? How, how do we do that in a way that's strategic? What are the things that we should be considering? So all of these things are things that we're going to be talking about over the next few days. And so with that, um, Dan's kind of over here in the wings. I, I want to make sure that, that he gives us kind of a rundown of what it's going to look like today, actually. And, and while he's preparing to come up here, I'm going to ask you to get ready for um, we're going to do a breakout within our breakout, okay? Uh, and so what I would like for you to do is cluster with your churches, okay? So like I know that like right here is like there's a group of Pleasant Grove people. And it would be really great. How many of there are you in here? 10, 10, 15? If you could break out into two groups and, and in groups of like maybe six, seven, eight, uh, with one facilitator in each group. And so if we can all do that, if you can kind of cluster, and if, and if maybe you're here or you're one-off person from your church or whatever, find a group of people, because what we're going to do right now is we're going to, to do small group breakouts, and we are going to refine our, our craft of, of the art of Bible study facilitation. Because there are a lot of things that people ask about that, that they think that they're doing wrong, and we want to work through some of those things together today. So can you go ahead and do that, and then I'm going to have Dan come up, and he's going to talk about what we're going to do the next few days, and then we're going to actually, we're going to actually study the Bible together. Okay, guys. Uh, man, good to see you guys. My name is Dan Renault. Uh, most of you guys, I think, know that. So I just want to give you guys an overview as to what you can expect. Brian, that was awesome. That was fantastic this morning, so thank you. Uh, basically, what Brandon has already said, you guys are in your groups. We're going to do a guided workshop this morning. You guys have the handout. Does anyone not have the handout? Anyone like, hey, I'm missing that? Okay. Troy, good to see you, man. Yeah. We got one person back there, so maybe we can get one handout back in the corner there. Okay, so today we're going to be doing a guided workshop. Brandon's going to come back up in just a second to get us started in that. Tomorrow, what you can look forward to, I'm going to do just a, a quick review of Creation to Christ. I know many of you guys have used that or you are familiar with it, but uh, sometimes what we need, we need a, like a, a realignment. You know what I mean? Sometimes we need, we need just like a little bit of a rea realignment, maybe a reevaluation of, oh, have I been focusing on those particular things? And lastly, how can I re-engage? Over time, if the vehicle is not aligned, you can realize that it can just start to, to veer off a little bit. And so what this is, what I, I kind of view this is, 
It's just a, a realignment. Let's all get into groups. This is a, a safe place where we can kind of walk through the facilitation process of Discover Bible Method. And so tomorrow we'll also be talking about creation of Christ. Maybe there's some things that you knew from the get-go, but, but over time you've just started focusing on different things and you're thinking, wow, I've been missing that. That's a big part of creation to Christ. And so hopefully we can realign in that way. Tomorrow we'll also be talking about how to sustain how to manage, how to keep your Bible study healthy. How do, we, how do we keep the Bible study in a healthy place to where it doesn't start going into places where we're just focused on knowledge or we're focused on, you know, geeking out on a particular topic. We can keep it healthy in the sense that it's trying to accomplish the Great Commission. Brandon will be discussing defining the DNA of a Bible study. And then to end tomorrow, I believe you're going to be focusing on this. I'll be, I'll be here to help as well. But we'll talk about the pros and cons of different types of Bible studies. What, what's the pros of doing like a group dynamic Bible study? How about a solo Bible study where you're just meeting with one, a person one-on-one? Maybe it's a work Bible study, a neighborhood Bible study. Um, it could be that there's a family dynamic. Um, that's how Living Faith started. We had a family Bible study. It was co-ed. We even had children's ministry uh, in the basement when we first got started. That poses some pros. And some cons, right? There's, there's, some, there's some things that we want to talk about in that. And there's many other things that speak of vulnerability. You know, whether, you know, in, in a family dynamic, can, can the husband or the wife be transparent with where they are in their walk with God or lack thereof? And so that will be something we talk about tomorrow. And then on day three, the thing is that we're going to really focus on is the process of training, of growing, of multiplying, not only your Bible studies, but your leaders how do we do that? When do we do that? Why do we do that? Uh, where do we do that? When we have a Bible study that divides, how do, we, how do we strategically think about those things? And so I think it's going to be a really good time for us together as we, as we meet uh, these next few days. It's going to be very practical. Um, and I think the reason why we, 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 we put the bent on that is because many of you are already doing it. And so even though we will be talking about philosophy and, and, and many of those things as well, I really think the goal of, of our time together is how can we realign, how can we, we uh, reevaluate, and how can we reengage with what we already know, and hopefully this can be beneficial for you. So I think Brandon's going to get us back started uh, with our guided Bible study today. He's going to get us going on how we can be prepared. Everybody ready? Yeah, you didn't, you didn't think you were going to be doing this, right? This is always awkward, right? Doing the whole like small group breakout workshop thing. It's always a little awkward, um, but, but we think it's going to be helpful. You know, it's amazing. I didn't, I never thought uh, that, um, I could never imagine that like I would be the guy that people would ask about Bible study, to be honest with you. So, but I get throughout the year, like after Mission Focus, I get phone calls of people like, hey, am I doing it right? I'm like, I don't, oh, dude, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you're doing. Um, I'm trying to figure it out myself. Um, but, but a lot of people have a lot of questions about Bible study, about Discovery Bible Method, about creation to Christ, about different tools and, and strategies and, and things that they want to talk about. So I'm really looking forward to working through some of that and, and, and helping uh, you just make, make decisions. I mean, ultimately, um, a lot of people just need the freedom to make decisions and do what they, that they think is best for the health of, of their Bible study. And so I'm excited about that. 
Now, um, just by way of recap, we are going to, to study a passage today. And you can see here on page two, you're going to be studying Philippians chapter two, verse five through 11. Okay, that's what you're going to be studying together. Now, um, generally speaking, as a Bible study leader, as a small group leader, uh, you are usually going to have time to prepare. Like, I hope, like I, I hope you're preparing, okay? And, uh, and, and I don't know, for some of you, that might take an hour or two of preparation before you do small groups. Some of you are more obsessive, and, and maybe you need more time than that because studying the Word of God is still a little bit new to you, and you, maybe you need longer than that. But you need to have studied before you go into your small group setting, okay, as the facilitator, as the leader. So personal preparation is really important. Now, this is where the leader is studying the Word of God in order to uh, uh, ready themselves for the work of facilitation. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this, I believe, tomorrow, but there is a distinction that we want to make right up front. Uh, that, that, you know, a lot of us have been a part of Bible studies in, in times past where Bible study meant maybe two things. One, one person talks a lot at a small group of people. That's actually called preaching. And, um, and some people get their kicks because they, they feel like, well, here's their opportunity to preach at people because the, maybe the pastor won't give them the pulpit, right? And so now they abuse a group of five or six people in their living room on a Wednesday night, okay? So that's like some, some of us do that. Uh, um, and others of us, it's, it, it is a, uh, like what we imagine SOT to be, where everybody shares for five minutes and they go around. And, and that's not really what we're talking about. When we say facilitation, we mean that one person is driving the dialogue, but their primary objective is to get the, the congregants, the people that are gathered together, to draw conclusions for themselves from the Word of God. We want other people, not ourselves, to answer the questions, to do the studying, to, to, to scramble through the Bible, to, to discover ways of studying so that they're providing the feedback in the small group. And then what you do as the facilitator is you synthesize that content and you keep it in between the white lines, doctrinal white lines. You make it applicable. You make it palatable for the people that are in your group. That's not an easy thing to do. And uh, for some people, the, the idea of doing that, that's much harder than preparing to preach, is actually letting other people do the preaching and then you do the guiding. And so that's the thing that we have to have in our mind as we go into our study process. And so um, the, the, when you study for yourself, you want to dissect the passage in advance. Now, we talked about this in our previous session, so you've got your passage right here. And what you want to do is begin by reading through that and dissecting it into two or three parts, and that'll function as like three parts of your Bible study that night. And the idea is that when you chunk, which is what we refer to it as chunking it, okay, uh, or, you know, taking it systematically and dividing it into multiple parts, uh, what you're looking for is major thoughts within the passage, okay, concepts that stand out. And then you'll use those chunks within the study to guide the conversation, and so that's one of the very first things that you want to do is you want to read in order to divide out or section out the thoughts. And then you're going to make sure that those parts, um, uh, those, those, each of those parts 
uh, are readied and prepared so that none of it's confusing. You're going to study out the doctrine for yourself. If there are words or difficult concepts, you're going to prepare so that you can keep things within the white lines. And then you are going to begin to write down questions, questions that you might ask, questions that you, might, you, you think are pertinent to the small group that you're going to use to drive home the important parts. So you're going to write down, so this is different. So, you know, when I'm studying for a sermon, I'm coming up with, with the questions and the answers from God's word, right? Well, you're doing that when you study too, but when it comes to the small group setting, you're going to ask the questions and then you're going to let the people in the small group come up with the answers, and that's really, really important. So it's a little bit stu- uh, different in terms of the preparation. And then, of course, you're going to spend time in prayer because you want God to, to bless that work when you gather together. All this is kind of review, isn't it? Um, so what I want you to do now, before we get started, I want you to determine who is going to be the facilitator, okay? Um, you, might, you might cast votes. I don't know what you want to do. Uh, you know, you could be democratic about it, or you can, someone just can, you can just all acknowledge that there's one person in the group who's got maybe more experience facilitating. It'd be wise for that person to facilitate, okay? And then I'm going to give you exactly five minutes after you've decided that for each of you to go ahead and to, to create chunks from the passage, divide it out into three parts, Come up with a a personal, a thesis of what you think it might say, that the passage might be saying, okay? Um, Then write down some questions that are pertinent, okay? Circle some words that are difficult. And I'm going to give you five minutes to study, and then we're going to come together, and we're going to actually begin walking through Discovery Bible Method one more time. And then what is going to happen is that Dan and I are going to coach you as we go along. So we'll stop here or there, we'll have conversations, we'll give you opportunities to ask questions, and then we'll just, what we're going to do is just fine-tune what we do in small group. Cool? Okay, it's 11.03, at 11.08 we'll come back together and we'll talk about the first thing that we're going to be doing. This is certainly not sufficient, but we're going to pretend like it is, okay? And you'll do the study in your small group together, which is the beauty of it. Uh, that, that you're going to be studying the Bible together, and uh, the Bible will get studied, okay? So that's, that's not something to be concerned about. Um, so now let's imagine for a second you've got your preparation done. You've spent an hour or two studying at home and, and preparing your heart, preparing uh, your notes for your time in Bible study. And now it's time to gather together. And people are, are beginning to come in, into your home or, or maybe you're, you're meeting somewhere else and you're setting up the chairs and people are beginning to sit down and maybe they've chatted for a little while, had some refreshments. Um, and then everybody begins to, to sit down and it's your uh, moment to, to draw everybody together and to focus their attention And you'll do so by beginning in prayer. And so let's go ahead and pray in your small group. Pray that God would bless our time of study, uh, that he would teach us what we need to learn, and then uh, we'll come back together and talk about the next step. Go ahead and pray. Yeah, we pray. It's okay. It's okay to pray. This is not pretend. This is real life here. Real life prayers being had, okay? Okay, so now as we come back together... Imagine for a moment that there are lost people in your small group. Someone invited a friend, friend from work. Uh, imagine you've got neighbors there. You know, you've got 
Fred or Susie, who they've only been coming for a month. They haven't even yet stepped foot in your church, but they've been coming to small group at your house. You've got different kinds of people. You've got people there that have been in church for a decade, and they know a lot about the Word of God, and you know they're real talkative. And so you've got all these things rattling around in your mind, and you're preparing your heart to, to study God's Word. And as you do that, you've prayed together. Now it's time for everyone to read the passage. Now, now as people sit down, there will be people in your small group who've maybe studied in advance. If it's someone that's a leader in your small group or has been around a while, maybe they too have spent some time this week studying uh, to, to be prepared uh, just to help you, right? To also function as a co-facilitator, all right? So maybe you've got people like that, but then you've got people who haven't, who've never opened the Bible at all, at all uh, or people who, who haven't opened it this week, or, or certainly haven't studied this. And so you've got every type of person there, they may be unfamiliar with the passage, and so what you do is you begin by reading it. And what we always do is we let people process internally first, because pe- some people are really good at that, and then we process externally to engage the whole group. And so what we'll do is we'll read silently. We'll read the passage silently, and then the facilitator will simply probably point at the person next to them and ask them to begin to read. And you'll read around the circle, everyone taking a verse until the, pa- the passage is read. Okay, so let's begin by reading silently, and then the facilitator will engage your group and have them read around. Okay, go ahead and do that. Okay, so, so you've read around in the group, and every, you've read the passage. Now, you've already discovered that someone came with their NIV. And so... So what happens is you look at each other and the Baptist mafia <laughs> grabs that person by their collar, drags them out the house, right? right? No, uh, always have some extra copies of the King James on hand. Um, this shouldn't, you just ask your pastor if they're willing to order you some extra Bibles or maybe if, you know, some, from time to time they replace pew Bibles uh, maybe the, the old pew Bibles can be the Bibles that you take home and, and give away in small group. Now, you've read around in a circle, and, and everyone has uh, engaged the passage twice now. They've read it silently. They've read it out loud. And now is the moment where you ask if we can begin to establish a theme. Now, um, this is the very first like, question that you're asking, and it's a very, very important one because it helps us to frame the whole of the study. So people will have an idea up front uh, what conclusions they should be drawing about the passage, and then you're really, by cre- establishing a good theme over the passage, you're, you're creating those white lines for people to kind of stay within doctrinally. And the way you do this is really, really important, okay? Uh, a lot of, this is the mistake I see a lot of people make, is they'll ask someone to, to share what they think the theme is, and one person will share... And then they'll leave it at that. You know, they'll hear the thing that they want to hear, and they'll be like, yeah, that's good, that's good, that's the theme of the passage. Now, again, part of our objective is to get everyone engaging with the Word of God so that those seeds would start to get planted in their heart. Now, just the act of verbalizing the Word of God for a lost person is a really big deal, I, I think. I think it's a really big deal that they're engaging at that level. But then to ask people... Uh, well, hey, would you be willing to contribute? Do you see anything? So you might ask this several different ways. Okay, now we're going to talk about the theme. Does anyone see anything that stands out? Or are there words that repeat themselves? Or do you think that there's a single verse that really 
you know, stands out as the thematic verse, and let people answer that question several different ways, okay? So go ahead and do that. Let people chatter about the theme, and then your goal as the facilitator at the end, once maybe two or three or four people have contributed, all right? Again, you're asking them, remind them, we want to use the Word of God to justify our responses, not just our opinions, so protect against that. Then your job as the facilitator is to synthesize what's been shared and then establish a theme for the whole group, a final theme. Okay, so I heard so-and-so say this, that. Yeah, all of that's good. And so what I'm hearing is that we all agree that the Word of God, the theme for our study tonight is da-da-da, right? So that's what we want to do right now. <clears throat> okay, so, so at this point, the facilitator has probably uh, taken everything that was shared and probably, you know, maybe established a, a single sentence to, to kind of frame the total of the study. Now, one of the things that Dan pointed out, I'm making him sit up here because I, I want him to chime in more as we do this, but one of the things that Dan uh, wanted us to reiterate is, and remind ourselves is that this is usually the moment where you'll, someone will begin to assert themselves heavily. Now, there may even be someone in here who should know better who, who may begin to dominate the time with their words. And so as a facilitator, it really is your responsibility to be sensitive to that. And if someone is, is, is really trying to, to make themselves the authority in the group, uh, to, to gently um, you know, draw other people into the conversation and, and, and be maybe tempered in the, in the way that you involve that person that's prone to talking a lot, okay? And so another thing that you might think about is that people are going to use language like, I think that. Now, we know that that's probably inappropriate language, right? Like, because what we think doesn't really matter. Well, actually what we think does matter because what we think should align itself with the truths of God's word. And so if I think what God thinks, then it's okay for me to think what I think. Does that make sense? What we want to invite you to do is not split hairs with people who are using language that, that maybe seems not super spiritual. Um, if they say I think, or I, if they, God forbid they say I feel, we'll have to kick that guy out too. You're out. Uh, let's, let's be really sensitive to the fact that, that people may not know how to talk spiritual talk or understand spiritual thoughts but if they're engaging with the text and they're agreeing with the text, that's what's important, correct? Yeah, what you, yeah, I think that was what I was hoping to say is, is that you're going to hear that. Maybe you even say that. Let's, let's not be too focused on the formality, but let's make sure. And, and sometimes the best way, maybe someone is absolutely running from the text because they aren't submitted to Scripture and they said, well, I think, you know, this is because you're hopefully dealing with people who are lost or who are uh, on the fringe of understanding the Word of God as their absolute authority. What you want to do is, is say, well, okay, where did, that, where did you find that in the text? Not in a condescending way, but what you're trying to, you're trying to bring them back to that every point that we're going to make is found in the Word of God. And so, well, I think that, man, that was cool. Now, what verse did, where did you find that? Well, I don't know if it's here, right? And, and, but that's not, I mean, for real, like, you'll encounter that. Well, 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 well no, 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 that's not, that's not in the text we're reading, but it's just something I was thinking. Oh, oh man, thank you so much for that. Uh, that's interesting. I appreciate that. Now, if we were going to use the text, though, 
as, as the authority. And so we're going to be doing some, some Bible study, and this is the text we're studying. If we were looking for the theme from the text, what, what, what do you think the theme would be from the text we're reading? And so then you're further reiterating that. You're, you're still trying to facilitate. You're the facilitator. You're asking questions, but you're trying to get them to a place where they, they come up with the answer, not just their own answers, but the Bible as the answer. Right, and I think redirection is the area that a lot of us struggle with, right? So when we redirect, we get nervous, and so then we start pontificating, right? We start explaining things, and, we, and then we start getting, you know, we get anxious about it, we start, but, the, but there really is a simple way. Dan just modeled it for us, really, really easy. Oh, that's super interesting that you're sharing that, um, but if we were to establish the theme, which is what we're trying to do from the text, how would, where would we find, where would we find a, a, a theme here from the text? Simple way of redirecting, and redirection is really important to facilitation. The other thing that you want to consider here is that we've, we've picked a passage, Philippians chapter 2, verse verses 5 through 11, it's in the middle of the second chapter. It's the facilitator's responsibility, once a theme is established, or maybe even before a theme is established, to provide the context. And this is probably the moment where you might be a little more teachy than you usually are. And you're going you're gonna to remind the group, or maybe even you've assigned someone else in your small group who's a growing leader, to pre- be prepared to provide us with the context for tonight's passage. And so they're going to come in, and they're going to maybe review the previous weeks, and they're going to say, well, you know, we're starting in in verse 5, but really verses 1 through 4 establish the context for what we're getting into. And so let's just be reminded of verses 1 through 4, and maybe they read that for the group or or whatever it might be. Or or because we're here in chapter 2, maybe we go back to to the historical context of Philippians and we talk about the letter that Paul wrote and we provide some context. We might do a, a brief reminder because, again, that ties us into the whole, and we're training, okay? So the other thing that this is, and we'll talk about this more in the next couple of days, is every time we come together to study, we are evangelizing, we are equipping, we are training, we are discipling. That is what we're doing. And so when you model things like, hey, guys, let's not forget the context, okay? That really reinforces for everyone in your group how important it is to not take God's word out of context and to properly understand it in the whole of the book. Does that make sense to everyone? So this is where you would want to maybe provide some of that, um, of that reestablish or reestablish the context. Okay, I'm going to pause right here, okay, before we get into the dissection, because this is the longest part. Does anyone have any questions so far about any of this? Could be incre- like completely random thought. Nothing. Yeah, yeah, Edmund. The five word theme. I've never heard of that before. I didn't teach you that. I never taught you that. The chunking, yes. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, well, yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, yeah, you're good. Okay, I see what you're saying now. I still don't know about the five word thing, but I understand what you're trying to, what you're trying to say. Does anybody have any other questions? Teresa, why is it all of the people I minister with or have the questions? Like this is, okay, go ahead, go ahead. It's a bad sign. Okay, yeah, that's good, that's good. Do you know the answer? Yeah, she does. That's a question, that was rhetorical. No, you did that for everyone's sake. Thank you for that. 
Is there ever a time where you answer your own questions? Like after you sit in silence for five minutes? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I mean, if you, if you need to do that, but again, and we'll get into this more in the dissection portion. You guys are getting ahead of us a little bit. But there's a lot of times where people just don't know what to say or how to be involved. And it really is your responsibility to maybe reframe a question. So you might ask a question that is hard for people to approach. Uh, maybe you used a word that's complicated, or maybe you framed it in a way that's slightly confusing. Can you reframe the, the question and make it more pointed and easier to access? And so maybe you asked a question to the group. You said, um, you know, I don't know, what's a, what's a question? Uh, we haven't even gotten there yet. We haven't gotten to the dissection part. But you ask a question, and you ask it to the group, and no one responds. But then what if you take that question, and you, you reframe it, and then you point it at Joe? So Joe, let me, I'm going to ask this question again, okay? And, and I want to make sure, if it doesn't make sense, let someone let me know, but I'm going to ask it again. Joe, da, 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 da. and then let, see if Joe can respond. And then that might spark more conversation. But don't just, don't just give up on it because no one just jumps right in because you, threw out a, you, you thought you threw out a big juicy bone and no one jumps on it. You know, I, I, really, I really hate it when pastors ask questions in the pulpit. <coughs> Right? And like no and everybody's looking at each other like is the answer Jesus? <laughs> they and no one no and and it's like the, the pastor thinks that the question was very pointed and clear and everybody should know exactly like the fill in the blank and then no one responds because all looking at the, everyone's afraid to have the wrong answer. So they look at each other and like, do you know what he's talking about? What he's talking about? Is the answer sin? I think it's sin. Repent, submit. It's always the answer is always submit. Well, well and I, I think I think sometimes the way I'll I'll ask questions is I'll say, now Brandon, you were saying this earlier. You might not remember that, but but you were talking about this. So I got a question for you guys. And so the question is not random. I've already I've already brought someone in. They they maybe don't want to be brought in, but I'm bringing them them in already. And so. Um, you know what you know what I'm talking. You actually said this yeah. earlier. Now, Which is, affir- is very affirming to the people especially for group. a new person. And like earlier, you were saying, well, you could give that task to a, a growing leader, which is actually really important. I'm not afraid to even give it to a person who's brand new, if I know they came to Philippians one. Hey, Joe. Now you were actually part of our study when we first got started. We got some new guys that are just showing up, and so. What, what was Philippians 1 talking about? Because now we're in Philippians 2, we're, we're starting to move through this book. Now, if I feel like I have the decorum, the, the rapport with Joe, Joe might say, uh, well, yeah, well, Philippians 1 is talking about this, and, and actually I can see how now we're building upon that conversation. So I'm not afraid of that, especially because I know the text. If Joe gets off, it's all good. Mm-hmm. We're not that concerned about it because I'm going to find a way to ask the questions, or I'm going to find other people who can affirm uh, Pastor Sam Miles does this excellently in, in settings. He will find ways to bring other people into the conversation. He already knows where the conversation is going, but he'll bring, you know, that sounds like manipulation. It is. He does this Wait when I second. enter. No. Yeah, he does that. Yeah. No, but he, he's really effective in that to where he, he brings other people into the conversation. You want to learn how to do that. And you do that, sometimes the question can seem ethereal or everyone's intimidated. No, like, hey, we actually talked about this after Bible study last time, or, or you just brought this up. And so you're, there's a way to affirm and bring people into some of the questions that you're actually asking. Yeah, it's good. 
Okay. Yeah, Austin. Um, you were talking a little bit about sometimes we like to be assertive. So earlier you were talking about sometimes in your group, uh, either a leader or sometimes the facilitator takes over that dominant assertive role. Mm -hmm. um, we want these to be evangelistic. Maybe the group has been praying about someone to come for months, and finally that person comes. And that person is Betty, who likes to spill her beans right off, right off the get. And, yeah. and they're just, they're almost asserting their self. And yet you've prayed for them. They may be lost. You don't even know their testimony. And yet they're a yapper. Yeah. And they are bringing some stuff to the, to the table. Um, but yet it's getting way distracting, way too early. And, and you've realized that, oh, hey, this is about to be Betty's emotional basket case Bible study. And all of your leaders... Maybe this only happens with us, but now your leaders no, now your leaders are looking at each other like, here we go, but yet we've been praying for this, and I know we've got to dial it in, but how do, how do you tactfully do that without turning her off, allowing right. her to have the open space to, uh, to, to talk, but yet you don't want to look at somebody like, Dan, please shut up. Uh, we've been praying about you for months, and we want you to get saved, but just stop talking. Um, this is a really great question. And um, so first of all, you have to remember, if this is a person that you prayed for, then the natural conclusion is that God brought them there. So if, if it's a person you've prayed for, that means that God answered a prayer, which means that if they showed up and they're weird, uh, that it's your responsibility to be Christ-like and to be okay with their weirdness. Um, but I do believe there are some, t some tactical things that you can do in order to keep the group focused and not distracted so that, that you can actually, because you do want the word of, you want the seed to begin to take, right? You want to do the work of a, of a husbandman, and if their, their yappiness is actually preventing them to, uh, from engaging with the Bible, that's not good. And so what we want to do is we want to try to use redirection, um, if they want to talk, make them talk about the Bible. Uh, we want to um, probably, when, a lot of times what happens when, when people show up to our small groups, they've never been in any setting like that in their entire life. Okay? So they're a little bit nervous, probably, and people respond in nervousness different ways. And, and the thing that we need to keep in mind, though, about, about people is that they want to be heard. They want to know that someone cares about them and loves them. And so what they'll do is, and this is, I, won't, I don't want to get into all the psychology of this, but sometimes people will just spill all their stuff because they're expecting you to reject them. So they'll just put all of it out there. Their first day in Bible study, they'll just put it all out there because they're expecting you to respond the way everyone else does and, and to not befriend them. And then they'll have an excuse to not come back next week. And so what you do is you love them despite that. And so if the small group gets a little bit derailed, like, is God going to be angry at you? That you were super gracious and went above and beyond and maybe even changed the nature of your setting for an evening in order, in order to show this person love and let them know that they, they, they're supposed to be there? I don't think God's going to be mad about that. What you can do 
is you can meet with that individual separately. You can go out to coffee with them. You can let them spill their beans to you one-on-one. And you can let them get that, all of that out of their system. And then over time, especially if they come to Christ, you can coach them to engage in Bible study in a way that's appropriate that benefits everyone else. Does, make, does that make sense? I'm yeah. Not sure. Well, and I think, I think the key to of all this is if you establish the framework and, and almost habitually... So when new people come, I'm talking at the beginning of the time, man, guys, it's good to have you all here. This is going to be a great time. Some of you guys have been here. Has it been good? Yeah, yeah, it's been good. Okay, so now this is what we're going to do, okay? So you're establishing the framework so that when someone does end up who we've been praying for, we want to be sensitive and flexible. The framework is meant to be flexible so that the Spirit of God can move in people's lives. But if, as as an instructor, like that's my my full-time job in the world, I know that when I don't set the framework up properly, my class is usually not going to operate to their fullest. And so if I set the parameters from the get-go, hey, so so guys, these are some things that we're going to do, and this is how we're going to break down our time together. It's going to be a blast, but this is what we're going to do. Even the new person, if they're paying attention, even if they have a lot to where they want to open up and they want to kind of take over, you can then enter back in and say, man, I'm so glad you're here. That, that's a lot. Um, either we could, I could talk more with you about that, um, me and you, or, or, uh, or you do. You let it roll for a little bit. I'm also sometimes looking at the other people in my group. If the other people in the group are like, they're on assignment, they got it, man, it's okay, right? But if some of the group is also young and they're growing and you have multiple people who are unsaved, sometimes you have to reel it back in a little bit. And so, but the more I have the framework established, this is what we do together because we're wanting Betty to come back. But if Betty learns in week one, this is just how it rolls and I can do this, well then Betty in week two is gonna do the same thing. And so it's a weird dance of setting the expectations, setting the framework up for what's expected, giving some space, you know, a little, little you know, give and take. But I think if you, if you set it up first, you will keep yourself, you'll help yourself. Even if we give some allowances and Betty comes back, she'll realize, oh, this is, this is how we do this. Yeah. And I think that, that is like a little bit of training, you know, if you will. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's a super good point. I think when so, you don't have to do this in the nights where all, it's like the, your dudes or your girls are there and they know the routine. But I think especially when you've got newer people that have, haven't been around for a very long time or maybe it's their very first night, Dan's absolutely right. Just for the sake of reiteration, right, just... Say it one more time. So this is what the plan is tonight. This is what we're going to do. The goal is to have it done by, you know, uh, 8.30, 9 o'clock, whatever the time is. Uh, That's the goal. And and so we're going to do these things tonight. So is everybody ready to go? And then you begin to pray and and move on from there. So let's let's go ahead and get into the dissection part of this, okay? Let's go ahead and, and study. Now, real quick, who's facilitating in this group? Okay, why don't you stand up real quick? And tell us how you divided out your three sections, or two or three sections, however you did it. So I've divided my sections out uh, from five to eight, and then okay. nine to uh, eleven. Okay, he said he divided his in two parts, five to eight, nine through eleven, which I think works. Uh, does any, did anybody else divide it a different way? Thank you, bro. Did, no, everybody divided it like that? Okay, cool, good. I divided it in three parts. 
Okay, so there's, yeah, don't be afraid to speak up. Okay, don't let me be. You guys know proper English. Yeah. F five and six, seven through nine, 10 through 11. I thought those were three. There's, but, but anyway, that, that makes sense. We've got a limited amount of time here. Okay, so you've got your chunks. Now, what Edabon was speaking to is that even each of those sections have themes, right? Because you, d you divided it that way for a reason, didn't you? It might be good to come up with a short thematic statement for each of the chunks as well. And so you could just write off to the side, this is what this means, or this is what this, mean, this is saying, and you just synthesize that real quick so that you have it in your mind, because again, you want to, 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 to affirm truth, and so you're going to try to keep things um, in, within those constraints. Now, in the dissection, you're going to start with that first chunk, okay, whatever that might be. This is the way that it'll work. You'll read it again, and then you'll ask, you'll begin to ask questions, if there are words that people might not be familiar with, you ask people to define them. You might take time. This is where you might take time to do a word study. This is where you might take time to do a first mention. This is where you might ask people to, uh, you know, um, find other references to the same concept elsewhere in Scripture. This, is my, this might be where you, you say, uh, does this remind you of something else that's already come up in our study in this in Philippians? Do you remember this from somewhere else? And then make them go and, and, and uh, compare Scripture with Scripture. Hey, th this reminds me of a parable that Christ taught. Can anybody remember or, or find a parable that supports this concept? Um, is there any other place in the Pauline epistles where Paul talks about the same idea? Let's, let's get our concordances out and let's look for another place where Paul talks about this same thing. And so what you can do is you can take multiple different approaches to turn people loose in study. And you can say, okay, we're going to take one minute right now to look to see where else this word is used in the New Testament. Ready? And then everybody does that. When they come back together, they can share the verse that they found and then you can together try to establish the meaning of something. And so what you're doing is you're teaching Bible study principles. That's what you're doing. You're teaching people how to study the Bible. And then you're letting them to collectively contribute to a conversation that um, is, is rooted in biblical study. Anything to add to that, uh, Dan? Okay. So let's go ahead and let's begin to dissect. And I'm going to give you like... I'm going to give you like 10 minutes to go as far as you can in this. I want you to kind of play in this area. This is the part that usually takes the longest in a Bible study, right? And so this might take 45 minutes of your evening is just going through these sections um, a bit at a time. And so I'm going to let you guys have about 10 minutes. Get as far as you can. Um, study the Bible together, all right? And then we'll come together and, and discuss the last part. kind of prematurely uh, stop us here. A few things I want to I talk about as we get into this last portion, which is application. Um, you know, Pastor Kenny mentioned this to us, and, and I think it's, it's worth us reminding everyone. I mean, hopefully you guys understand this. We're, we're in part two of, of a breakout called Evangelical Bible Studies. Right? So maybe you're catching the hint at this point. Is that is that the intent is that any person can engage. 
And so if the heart of the small group is not to invite lost people, this process can be discouraging, um, uncomfortable, really uncomfortable, especially people who've done Bible study another way for a long period of time. Um, The goal is that we're making space for the lost to come and be with us. And I'm, listen, y'all, I've, I've seen this be effective. And there's other people in here that can, can testify. People are getting saved in small groups. In many of our churches, all of the time. And so I really do believe that, that it's effective, but, but you, you've got to come at it with the idea that you're going to be inviting the lost to participate. Now, they, there might not be lost people there every week. We've had small groups that have... Uh, in, in, in the college and young adult ministry that have not had visitors in their groups for months, that haven't seen anyone come to Christ for a year. They've stayed small. We had a small group that was three people for a year. But then that next year, they blew up and they saw people come to Christ and they grew to 10 and they, then they split and now there's, th- now there's two groups. That group became two. But they had, a, they had a season of wilderness where God refined their prayer life and caused them to question, really, what is it that they were in this for? Mm-hmm. And when, they, when, they, when their hearts were, were humbled and right before the Lord and they had been through that wilderness, then God provided the fruit in his season and his time. You cannot quit. You've got you to break a bunch of eggs, right? And so um, we've got to be committed to that work. Now, this is the part of the evening that drives everything home. And so even if there's not a single lost person in your group that evening, this is what we've all been studying for. Right here, this moment, the application moment. And so hopefully everyone's been contributing, everyone's been offering something up in the small group and in the conversation, everyone's been studying together, everyone's been, been, been doing different things, and then now this is where you say, let's go ahead and go around and, and share what our takeaway is this evening. And I'll go ahead and start. And then you, you say, I, I believe that, that from our study tonight that the Lord is showing me that I really need to be more Christ-like in, in my humility and my approach to other people. And just as Christ came into the world and, and put on flesh and made himself humble, I've recognized there's a lack of humility in me recently. And I've got to get that right. And so, so what I'm walking away with tonight is that I need to humble myself the way that my king humbled himself. Mm-hmm. Then the next person goes. And then you go around the group and everyone shares. Now listen to me. That's what it's about. That's what studying God's word is about. It's about walking away with truth that applies to who you are. And so there's no room for cynicism here, right? Like like everyone can gain something from God's word. And so we make application, we go around, and then you break out into small pods of, you know, one, two, three people, and everybody prays for each other, and then uh, you close for the evening, and, and, and it's over, and it's done. Okay, now we've got just a couple minutes. Do you want to add anything to this? Yeah, I think what, what Brandon is saying is, is that, you know, you're, you're trying to not just capture but create a right spirit. And, and you have so much control of that as the facilitator. You can really a, a embark on a, a Holy Spirit-led time. Kenny came up and he's like, man, there, there's some difficulty if 
if the groups aren't evangelistic, and, and, and which is true, right? But if I create, and if I, if I uh, create a scenario where that right spirit is present, a spirit of not only evangelism, but of obedience to the Word of God, then even in times and settings where there aren't the lost there, it's not like a geek out session where we're all like, check this out and check this out. And check. No, we've established a right spirit. What's the spirit? And we need to honor God. We need, to, we, need to, we need to submit to His Word, and we need to let other people know about this. And so I have a great responsibility. I have an opportunity, as Brandon was saying, what I've learned from this, from the text, is that, man, I need to, I need to look like Christ. I need to have His mind in me. He humbled Himself, right? He humbled Himself. He became a servant even unto death. That's something God is revealing to me, right? So what's the spirit of that? It's not about like, check this thing out and this. And, and I think the reason why we get there is because we, a lot of times, let's be honest, are afraid of the devotional application. We, 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 we want to say, well, we're a church that has good doctrine and we know this and that. A lot of times people that, that talk that way are hiding from the devotional application because they actually don't want the Word of God as a mirror on their life. Everything that we're trying to do, yes, establish the history, the doctrinal implications, the prophetic implications as they apply. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? This is what the Bible says. And so that, that personal application, we're going to talk about this a little bit tomorrow as well, how to make sure that we have healthy Bible studies. We're going to talk about this very topic. But I'll say, you have an opportunity in those seasons, a whole year or whatever it was, or, or months where, where there wasn't fruit. What's the spirit? If the spirit is, we're going to obey the Lord, and, and we are going to pray for people to come into this Bible study to hear God, well, I have an opportunity then as a facilitator to really protect what I think Kenny was referring to as this, an opportunity where it's not evangelistic, or we can just kind of get into this like knowledge fest. Mm -hmm. You have that, as the facilitator, you have a great amount of control and power in that, in that role. Yeah, it's so. good. Um, we are really tight on time, and we've got lunch coming, right? So um, what I would say is we probably have time for maybe one or two questions. Is that all right? Yes, Brian. We're going to talk, okay, so, um, and Dan will recap this before we go. To, to, the next two days are going to be really about strategy and about how we do things, like what pack, passages do we pick, when and how do we do that. We're going to address a lot of that stuff over the next couple of days. It'll be really good for leaders and pastors, I think, um, in particular. Um, I'll just briefly say that for the college and young adult ministry, we do things in patterns for the school year. So um, in the summers, we do uh, personal Bible study, and so we keep our Bible studies meet, but we do more uh, uh, personal study, and then they come and they present. And this is where we really, we train like our core people to really learn how to study the Bible in order to present truth, and we do that over the summer months. But over the 16 meetings of the school year, because we meet every other week, in those 16 meetings, we study, we exposit, try to exposit a whole book. Um, or we may, like right now, we're doing Creation of Christ. Um, and we'll talk about Creation of Christ tomorrow. But we did, we did Nehemiah last year. Uh, we've done the Gospel of John. We've done the Gospel of Mark before. 
Uh, we've done maybe, um, like I think we did one year, we did like a Colossians and, and Philippians over two semesters. And what we do is just lay out all the passages in advance, and then I give them to the Bible study leaders, and I say, get this done by the end of the school year. And then their task is to walk through that. Now, I usually, I'll prescribe those sections of Scripture because I believe they either complement what I'm preaching on Sundays uh, or they're particularly evangelical in a season where I want us to refocus on evangelism or because they're great supplement. For, they, they meet the class where we're at in our weakness. Pastors know. They just know, like, this is something we need to learn. And so we'll, we'll use a certain book or passage uh, that, that meets some sort of need uh, in the class or in the, in the fellowship or in the church. And so that's how we approach it. Not everyone might approach every Bible study. In some churches, every Bible study might be studying something different, but that's just how I do it. I, th- I think the, the more you, you partner with your pastor too, the better. Um, and your pastor might be like, man, you're good. Go with, go with God, you know, whatever, whatever you think. Creation of Christ is a method, obviously. Um, but any book can suffice. You can also make sure, like, well, doing one chapter at a time is perfect, or, you know, there's, there's times where it's like, well, let's do these three chapters. Well, that can start to get kind of thick when you're trying to do DBM, um, but I think partnering with your pastor because he knows the state of the flock um, is always a wise bet. So. Any other questions? Je- right here, Jesse, go ahead and speak up. What's the best approach if there's someone coming to your study who's doctrinally different, and that's becoming more evident in the discussion? And you don't want to get too heady for the younger believers, but it also needs addressed. Yeah, and we'll probably talk about this more over the next couple of days, but I would, just in brief, I would take a similar approach that you would with, with Betty, who wants to talk about, you know, everything, uh, is to get that guy one-on-one in a coffee shop setting and first try to address the doctrinal issue. And he may give you space and liberty to work through it with him. Maybe it takes multiple meetings to do that. If, if he's giving you space and he's humble enough to hear you, um, then, then that's amazing, that's, that's a blessing, and that's, where, that's the context you want to address that in. Um, but if he's not receptive, then you want to very kindly and gently in, in invite him to consider whether or not this is the right Bible study for him. Um, because we can't have someone undermining our hermeneutic, our doctrine, week after week. And so if it becomes problematic and he's not humble enough to receive uh, instruction, then I I would say there's going to come a point where you're going to invite them to consider whether or not a different church or a different Bible study is a better fit for them um, theologically. And and I would say, kind of coupling again with, with the question we had before, but this is even more specific to it, um, I have absolutely had that happen, and I'm looking at the other people in my Bible study. I absolutely am watching, and if I see that the other guys are, are they're aware, they're, they're on point, then I'll let the guy, he, he's got his thing, and then we'll try to meet alone afterwards together in some way. But if I notice at all that there's other people in the Bible study that are being swayed by false teaching, I got to find a way to correct that. Yeah. Um, because otherwise, if the guy's not teachable or if he's just trying to bogart or even take over, can't have that. That'd be dangerous. And so I'm, I'm always kind of watching. Does the group, are they cool? And they're kind of like, yeah, this guy's, this mm-hmm. guy's cracked out. 
or or do they you know do they kind of feel that they're like wow this guy's got some good things what do you think and so at that point I need to you need to step in yeah so. okay well, if you've got more questions come find us afterwards and we'll and we'll chat um, Dan I'm gonna let you close by just kind of explaining again you know what we're what we're trying to do yeah I mean I, I said it earlier but but the the nature of what we're trying to accomplish you guys are doing this we're just trying to, to realign, okay? We're trying to realign if we felt like our alignment got off. We're reevaluating. Maybe in this safe setting, you saw some things like, man, I stopped doing that. I wasn't doing that. Or, or that's something that I could add to the arsenal. Let's reevaluate and then let's reengage. Let's reengage in 2024. That's what we're hoping to do uh, as we get together. Should I pray? Okay, guys, thanks so much for today. We look forward to seeing you guys tomorrow, Lord willing. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you're interested in learning more about the Living Faith Fellowship, visit lffellowship.com. God bless.